camera rolling. You ready? Alright. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Better Mondays. John and Lindsay with you back as always with a very special guest this time. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, John? I'm good. I'm uh, extra little hop in my step today with our guest on the I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So I am, without further ado, going to introduce our guest today, um, Claudia Mitchell. And if you recognize the last name, yes, she's my mommy. Um, (laughs) And uh, brought her on today, not because she's my mom, but because she is, in my life at least, the foremost expert on the conversation that we want to have today. And very excited to welcome her to the show. She's a counselor. She has been in ministry for many years. She is an author, a keynote speaker, an educator, and a therapist. And um, mom, welcome to the show. I've never said that. And the best thing is I'm a Nana. That's right. And Nana. That's what, that's what she'll talk about if you let her talk. Freely. That's my favorite. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, mom. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Actually, I'm honored to be here. Well, we're, thank you for inviting. We're me. glad to have you. We we are continuing this conversation um, around your work, your your daily work, and it's funny. I I don't know if you guys have been paying attention what's happening right now in technology in the workforce. Lindsay and you and I talked about this a little bit, but there's like this fight in the culture right now of especially big companies where they're saying, yeah, you can work from home, but we're going to monitor all your keystrokes and, and even video. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird time between staff members and leadership um, in cultures right now. It is. Yeah. I think either, you know, we're finding, um, there's either a really, really, really good, relationship there and everything is is working well and there's a ton of trust and a ton of you know autonomy and then on the flip side there's this other extreme where the trust is gone and it hasn't been built yet yeah and you know i think over the next couple of weeks here we've got we've got two episodes here um with mom's perspective I keep calling her mom. I'm not going to call her Claudia on this podcast. Just <laughs> you don't have to. Um, but so, and I won't call you Jonathan. Okay, I, pre- I really appreciate that. That's real. I guess that's my real name. Isn't it? <laughs> She's the only one that still does. Um, so that this first podcast, we want to talk about what's going on in, like, physically inside the brain. Which this is a very geeky scientific conversation today, which I think you'll really enjoy. We're going to bring it down to practical. But then next week, we want to talk about how all of that creates this this trust issue inside of companies. And that's where we get, you know, the employers wanting to monitor how much you're moving your mouse. And then I don't know if you saw Amazon will sell a product right now called the Mouse Wiggler. Oh my gosh. You just set it up on your desk and it just wiggles. So your employer (laughs) thinks that you're working. Oh my goodness. That's not a crisis of trust. And, you know, that's crazy. So we want to talk about that today. Um, And I'd like to just talk about something, um, mom, that's really important to you and part of the reason you're on today. And that is this growing mental health um, statistic that's going through. And, you know, we just believe, Lindsay and I have talked about it since the beginning of this podcast, that this is a big part of why people have a hard time loving their job 
what is this mental health thing going on right now? Can you talk just a little bit about what people are feeling? Sure. I think as a nation, we're feeling it. And as individuals, we're feeling it. As a nation, I think we're almost feeling um, a national kind of grief as we've been through a pandemic, an unexpected storm like that, and left a lot of people with a lot of loss. And then there's been so much conflict happening around us in our world. I think there's a grief, almost like I've heard clients say to me, where is America? We knew it seems changed and different. So I think we're all experiencing almost a national kind of grief and anxiety and then personal as well. Well, we entered that pandemic of 2020 already worn out from just the craziness of our modern life. We went on to experience global disaster, loss of loved ones, and high-stake disagreements all around us. Here in Indiana, the help hotline went from receiving 1,000 calls a day regarding mental health to 25,000 calls a day. Addiction went up 500%. Oh, my gosh. And alcohol sales in Indiana were up 100%. This is in... Like just during the pandemic or it, like after the pandemic? And even after, it's con- it's, it is continuing. The, the mental health stress department of Washington, D.C. has said we are in a mental health crisis right now. They were unprepared for the pandemic, and they've also been unprepared for the tsunami of mental health issues that we're seeing now in adults and children. And don't forget, that's... That's happening to both the leaders of the, these organizations and the staff members. And so most of our listeners are, are staff members. And their children. And their children. And their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. so many variables going mm-hmm. on here. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's, it's... No wonder we're creating products for fooling our bosses. Yeah. <laughs> creating, creating these weird things in our cultures because we are all dealing with this mental health crisis. And it shows up as we feeling all these emotions and this stress, it shows up in our bodies and we feel it in our bodies and it's causing health issues as well. And, and it shows up in our biography, things like what did we learn growing up about emotions and how to deal with them? That starts coming out. And then it also shows up in our behavior. That's why I love cognitive behavior therapy is what I do because it reminds us that we need to think about what we're thinking about. Because our thoughts and our emotions and our behavior are all connected and our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And right now, for a lot of people, those thoughts are anxious. We need to think about what we're thinking about. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the the idea, I want to talk about cognitive behavior therapy in a minute, and I'd love for you to parse out what that actually means. But- First, I, I love the way you talk. And I mean, full disclosure, we have a little preview conversation. We usually do, Lindsay and I, before these things, and we invited mom into it. We had this brainstorming conversation where it just was really clear to me for the first time, like, what what is my brain doing that's causing this anxiety and this mental health? Can you tell me, like, on a Sunday night when I'm dreading going to work on Monday, what is happening inside my brain? Well, one thing, and well, back to those negative thoughts for a minute, we have about 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those thoughts are negative. We have a, oh, a bully roommate in our head. All of us have him. 
and or her, and they speak to us constantly. Mine was telling me already this morning, oh my gosh, you have so many wrinkles in your neck. <laughs> you have nothing to wear. <laughs> you know, don't eat that roll. <laughs> you know, though my roommate was just be and and then she ends up by saying, You don't know anything anyway. What do you think you're doing? That was what mine was saying today. What's yours saying, Lindsay and John? What's your bully roommate been saying to you today? Oh man, my bully roommate is saying take better care of vacuuming my house. <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but it's every, I mean, it's all the time. And my husband's gone this weekend. So my bully roommate is going to get her wishes fulfilled. <laughs> there you go. You need to get one of those little sweepers that go around. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> uh, for me, it's, um, what I, I deal with chronic anxiety and it's got, it's gotten so much better in the recent months, I think partially because of cognitive behavior therapy. But I, for me, my mean roommate is always going, you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it keep, my roommate keeps me in the future, which keeps me from the present. Sometimes in the past, sometimes he goes, you're going to do something stupid like you did last time. Sure. Sure. Well, all this stress and this negative thinking, remember 60,000 thoughts a day, and 80% of them are negative, all this negative thinking combined with the stress that we're all feeling affects the most complicated organ in the universe, our brains. They can learn seven facts a second for the rest of our life and still have more connections going on. There are more connections going on in the brain right now than there are stars in the universe. If you could hear it, Everything that's happening with your brain's taking unconsciously and consciously all the light that's coming in now. John, you're trying to run the the sound equipment, and, and Lindsay and I are, you know, watching each other. All the brain's taking all this in. It's just an amazing, amazing machine. The stress that we're all affecting is causing what I like to call the smoke alarm going off in our brains. Anxiety and depression are kind of like twins in the same box. And anxiety is a smoke alarm and can be a good thing when it alerts your body to something's wrong. It can help mobilize you to keep you and your, your, your people safe. But when there's no fire in the house and the smoke alarm keeps going off, like it does for us now, just don't even turn on CNN, you know, to see what's happening around the world. The smoke alarm can go off. It's just going off and going off. And it's causing our thoughts and our brain to activate the sympathetic nervous system. So our thoughts start back here in the brainstem. If you want to just touch the very back of your neck back there where the brainstem thought is where your, your thought comes in. I call it the alligator brain because it's the primitive selfish part of the brain. And it has like two thoughts. Am I going to eat it or is it going to eat me? <laughs> and um, and, and the, you want the thought to move forward. But if you're, I use the word halt. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, the thought will stick right there in the brain sim. So if you're having a bad day or you don't want to go to work or you're thinking about it, uh, stewing over it, I think the first thing to do is ask yourself the question, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Or am I tired? And if you're hungry, 
get something to eat or or you'll end up like that commercial with what's her name Betty White you know where she <laughs> the Snickers she commercial. gets a Snickers you're and turns into hungry. a nice person yeah yeah, yeah. when you're, you're hangry or something <laughs> so or if you're angry you might ask yourself the question what am I afraid of because anger is usually a secondary emotion what precedes it is is fear what am I afraid of you might just be lonely or tired if so the thought can stick right there in that primitive, selfish part of the brain. I, you know what that feels like. Mine's been there before. Well, then the thought moves up to the limbic system, and that's the part of the system that feels. The limbic system is real sensitive to our emotions. If it senses any kind of a threat, if it's real like a bear, or if it's perceived like a work deadline or a presentation you have to do, or a relationship that you think, or like for me, I've done this before, where I think somebody I work with doesn't like me. You know what that, you know, have you had that mm -hmm. feeling? You know, mm -hmm. um, if the limbic system senses any kind of a threat like that, it sends a message to the automatic nervous system that's combined of two sets of nerves, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic nervous system gets you ready to fight, to flight, or to freeze. And if it senses you're in any kind of distress, it triggers the amygdala, this little area of the brain in the emotional center that sends a flash flood of hormone and it bursts through the body's alertness. The heart rate gets fast. It sends extra blood to the muscles. Breathing quickens. It delivers fresh oxygen to the brain. And an infusion of glucose is shot right into the bloodstream so you can have a quick energy boost all to get you ready if you have to fight or if you have to run. And some people just freeze up. But when this happens, when the emotion sticks there in the limbic system, Dr. John Gottman, who is the, has been called recently the most influential psychologist in the 21st century, says he calls this situation when the sympathetic system alerts the amygdala and it goes off, your brain is drowning with emotion and he calls it flooding. And the definition of flooding, he says, is a sensation that is psychologically and physiologically overwhelming during conflict, making it virtually impossible to have a problem solving discussion. So there's my Sunday night. So how this relates to a, <laughs> what'd you say? I said, there's my Sunday night. I mean, that's that, okay. what you're describing is flooding, you know, or, you know, or what, what we're talking about is that sense of dread, that sense of sure. you know, fight or flight. And when happening. that happens, you cannot think rationally. That is the time not to enter a conversation with your uh, with your wife about finances or <laughs> with your your work coworker, um, it's the time to say, you know what, I need a break. You take a walk, you take a deep breath. It takes anywhere from eight to 12 minutes for the parasympathetic uh, system to kick in and let you know everything's all right. You're drowning. It's not the time to have a conflict. And it's okay to say at that point, you know, I'm feeling stressed right now. I'll be right back. Take a little break. The interesting thing about this thought process is it takes two milliseconds for the limbic system, the sympathetic system, to detect a threat and go off. What you want now from the limbic system is for that thought to go all the way to the front of the brain where 
the frontal cortex is where you think rationally. And that's where it's where the learning happens, where memory happens, decision-making, problem-solving. It's where cause and effect happens. I often tell parents, you need to be a substitute prefrontal cortex for a while for your teen uh-huh. because that part of the brain is the last to develop. And sometimes that cause, you know, what they do and what's going to happen doesn't line up. So you want your thought to get all the way to that front, the rational part of the brain. But the interesting thought about it, remember two milliseconds for the limbic system to go off. It takes two minutes for the thought to get all the way from the brainstem to the frontal lobe where you can make rational decisions. So that's why this is, it's so easy for us to quickly get to fight or flight. It's, it's almost like the easiest path. Absolutely. And it takes two milliseconds. Boom, it can go off. So no wonder, you know, you think about, Lynn's, but we deal with cultures that are changing all the time with RootWorks, with our members. You know, Mom, the, the conversation around the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and how it affects change you know, the, the idea that something changes and it causes me, my first reaction is not, well, that's interesting. Maybe that'll be helpful. <laughs> my first reaction is somebody's trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. A bear's sure, yeah. trying to eat me. Sure. Right. And, yeah. and so I, talk about just from a practical perspective. I mean, is this what CBT is? Is it, is it about trying to get to that, you know, that two minutes? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cognitive behavior therapy, that's the fastest growing therapy in the United States right now. What I love about it is six to maybe 10 sessions, you can become your own therapist as you learn to recognize your thoughts, to think about what you're thinking about, recognize them, recognize the bully roommate and say what I've taught London to say playing volleyball, shut up and get out. <laughs> and we even use a hand motion like shut up and get out to remind us, wait a minute, that's, that's my bully roommate. It's not true. It's recognizing those. The more you recognize your negative thoughts and speak them out, the power goes. Or the more you recognize them and let them go. And I think leaders sometimes are the worst, I know I am, about outcomes, about worrying about outcomes. We take our best shot and then we, our negative bully roommate gets in there and we start thinking, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? One of my favorite theologians is Dallas Willard, and he says, we're like golfers who take their best shot at a golf ball. And then as the golf ball takes off and flies away, we do this, left, left, right, right, sit, sit, like we have any control (laughs) over it. (laughs) So we learn to recognize, oh my gosh, these negative thoughts, I'm going to let them go. Does that make sense? Yeah. it's And that's kind of, John, what we've been you know, addressing here is having that awareness, that self-awareness to be able to think about what you're thinking about and and try to be the kind of the moderator <laughs> between those thoughts and, and how they're taking over your brain. And it's such a it's such an interesting, I think, um visual to think about, you know, when we go into that anxiety and fight or flight mode that feels like such a long time. If I'm, you know, visualizing a time that I go into that fight or flight and anxiety and and just bad, it feels like forever, but really it's Mm -hmm. not. (laughs) And so it's, right, right. 
That's very interesting. And the more you stay there, the smoke alarm just keeps going off. You know, the more you think about it, the more you ruminate on it, which what we can do, ruminate and ruminate it. I call those thoughts automatic negative thoughts. I call them ants. And I had a client, she's so sweet. She's in high school and she said, Claudia, you know what happens to me with ants? Those automatic negative thoughts. I get one in my mind and then I start ruminating on him and he invites his brother and his sister and then they invite their friends and then they have a big party in there. And I thought the that was the best on. way to look at yeah. it. <laughs> but cognitive behavior therapy teaches to recognize where those automatic thoughts are actually coming from. And for most of us, for all of us, we have deep core beliefs that affect who we are and how we see the world and how we see each other. So we, we spend some time looking at what that core belief might be and then learn to say, well, this isn't true and um, actually change our minds. Are there, do you have tips? Do you have things that, that we can do on the way to work when the alligator mind takes over, when, when we feel that fight or flight, that sense of heart rate increasing, the adrenaline moving? I mean, that's the exact time that many of us are driving to work when we feel that way. What, what kinds of practical things can we do in that moment to engage the parasympathetic nervous system and to, to kind of come back to a more human way of thinking about this instead of the alligator brain? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, first I mentioned a few minutes ago to, to take a pause and there's a moment between a stimulus and a response that you have a choice to make. So recognizing, um, I need to take a pause here. I'm anxious. That's the first step, I think. And then this seems very, very simple with the, the ideas I'm going to give you. I'll give you three ideas, one wacky and the other two simple. <laughs> <laughs> the first one would probably be, first of all, take a deep breath and then repeat three words to yourself. I've used this with um, children ages five, teenagers, all the way through adults. I've taught parents to teach children this, and it seems very, very simple, but it works. So wh why don't we just try it right now? F take a deep breath, really deep breath. Hold it. Hold it just for a second. Let all that oxygen get in your brain. Now let it out. And let some more out because you didn't get it all. There you go. What just happened was you put fresh oxygen in your brain, and it lit your brain up. And then you expelled all the old oxygen. So let's do it again. Only this time, let's close your eyes and take a deep breath. Hold it. Hold it. We're going to hold it for three. One, two, three. Now let it out to four. One, two, three, four. Okay, well done. Now repeat after me three things. I'm okay. Did I say it? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Let's try it again. I'm okay. I'm asleep. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm okay. Those three things take you out of where you said you go, John, the past or the future, which is anxiety in both directions, to the now. By taking those deep breaths, you get oxygen to your brain and get out the old oxygen, and you also put yourself in the now. And so it works if you're having a panic attack. I have, I've had people call me having a panic attack. I have them pull off the road, and that's what we do. 
And we say those three things and I have them do it until their heart rate lowers and they feel better. What it does is put you in the now and it distracts your brain. Does that make sense? It seems really simple, but it's the first thing I go to when you feel that alligator brain go off. And you don't even have to say it out loud. You can just do it yourself if you're in a conference, if you're in a situation where you feel it. You know, you feel your heart rate. Yeah, it's probably good not to say that out loud. <laughs> probably I'm not. Okay. <laughs> probably not, but you can. It's like, man, what's wrong with that cat? <laughs> Although I have been teaching parents to teach their children to say it mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah. Because yeah. like some of the parents. Anyway, that's the first one. The second one is a little um, wacky, but I just taught it with some athlete swimmers from Bloomington North. I thought I was going to have a small group of kids when they asked me to come in and talk about how to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which I call the parachute, because it's the part of our nervous system that says, we're okay. We're all right, everybody. Calm down. If you've seen Inside Out, it's the, calm down, everybody. Calm down. We're okay. So I went in with a basket of lollipops to share. And when I walked in the door, it was a whole room of what I would call jocks. <laughs> all guys. <laughs> all high school guys. Not what you expected. No. And my alligator yeah. brain went off. <laughs> and uh-huh. So I said to them exactly how I was feeling. I said, oh my gosh, you guys are probably seeing an old woman here with a basket of lollipops thinking, what do we do? And one of, guy, one of the guys who is now my be- one of my best friends <laughs> raised his hand. He said, hey, you may not know this, but most all of us in this room, we don't like our parents right now, but we love our grandparents. <laughs> so yes, you amen. have a real advantage. Pass out those lollipops. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I did this with them. And after I talked about uh, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, I did, which we don't have time to do here, but I did a thought meditation with them uh, called Rivers to learn how to get rid of their negative roommates. And then I gave them a couple of tips how to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. They seem wacky, but these guys have texted me back and they say they really work. And the first one is to rub your thighs, to put your hands on your thighs and just rub them. And a couple of the guys in the group told me they do that all the time anyway. And they didn't realize that. But what that does is activate that parasympathetic system to start calming your brain down. Another thing is to take your two fingers, your index and middle finger, and just rub your lips lightly over your lips. And that also activates the parasympathetic nervous system. I thought about that because a lot of the students were vaping at the time or (laughs) chewing tobacco or, Mm -hmm. you know, we give kids um, pacifiers. So it kind of makes sense that um, that activates the, the parasympathetic nervous system. So I, I imagine a whole bunch of listeners, Better Mondays listeners, you know, sitting in traffic at a stoplight, moving their hands, touching their lips and saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. We're like, we're Better Mondays people around here. Tell me you listen to Better Mondays without telling me you listen without to Better telling Mondays. telling me you listen to Better Mondays. That's good. If you've worn out the thighs in your yeah, jeans yeah. from your hands. That's hey, so I do it when I'm watching London yeah. play volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is something you kind of do like, you know, just kind of subconsciously, I think, some of these things too. You've seen people twirl their hair? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. do that. Yeah. It's the huh. same That's effect. exactly what I, I do. There's a reason for yep. it. Yep. 
I've seen Lindsay yep. do that. Oh, I used yeah. to suck my thumb and twirl my hair. Up while we're recording yeah, a podcast. I probably there you go. have. <laughs> there you go. There it's you go. It's all coming up now. Uh, well, so tell me, I mean, all of these things are, they make a lot of sense for the practical kind of everyday anxieties that we go through. But we all know that a lot of the statistics that you're talking about involve and include people who have some some clinical conditions, things that need to be addressed by a professional like yourself. But when do I need help? When do I, when, how do I know when it's like, all right, this is more than something I can fix by rubbing my lips and my eyes <laughs> and saying, I'm okay. Um, how do I know? Well, there are moments where the smoke alarm has gone off for so long. The brain is worn out with it. And that's when it's the twin depression sets in and I've had clients that don't feel like getting out of bed that are so depressed, they don't even want to take another breath. That leads me to say on the resources at the end of this podcast, John, I'll also list the emergency calls that you can call and get help right away. If you happen to be listening to this podcast and you feel like you don't want to take another breath, um, remember that this is not psychological, all psychological it's physiological as well. So you need some help. Sometimes the brain can be dripping so much adrenaline when the smoke alarm has gone off for so long that your body is very, very trigger happy. And even a phone ringing can set off the sympathetic nervous system uh, or someone not speaking to you or even the thought. And if you're experiencing anxiety with the heart racing and, and the breath short, you need to get help. And we'll, we'll list resources at the end of this podcast for you to get some help. Does that answer the question, John? I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's along with the pervasive anxiety that you're talking about, which those are numbers I've never heard. I know. Before. That's just honestly, in some ways, not surprising, but there's also rising up more and more help and better ways mm. to get help. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the companies I've used, um, is betterhelp.com. Um, I, they don't sponsor this podcast yet, <laughs> yet, yet. <laughs> but, but we've used their name so many times they may, but we, you know, it's just such a, I guess just a, such an opportunity for people to be able to do, to find good help around them. Um, then Absolutely. Of course, and they offer every area you can imagine of health with yeah. very trained, experienced therapists. And I appreciate that it's not a, sorry, John, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I just, it, you know, in thinking about all of this, you know, putting it together in the context of driving to work on a Monday, um, when so many of us are oftentimes feel some sort of anxiety, some sort of sadness or anger or frustration, I think a lot of times we think that we should just be able to get through it. I can work through this. You know, there's things that we can, I can work through this. It's, you know, I can have a conversation with somebody. And if so many times you are able to work through it with different tools and conversations and, you know, ways to, to develop, you know, problem solving skills. But when it comes down to it, it's, it's okay to, say, hey, you know what? I I don't have the tools and I've tried some tools. I don't even know if they worked. And I think that is, it's becoming healthy that we can say, I don't feel mentally healthy right now. So I appreciate putting all of this in context to help us realize 
oftentimes we can't control any of it. And if the the little things of rubbing our thighs and and taking breaths and, you know, um, positive self-talk, if all of that, yeah, if it doesn't work, then it's okay to seek out somebody to help you and walk with you through the journey, you know? Sure. The, the anxiety, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is, and it's not something wrong with you psychologically. It's usually most likely physiological and you need some help. And there's amazing medication. It's getting better and better. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking medication that's going to help you physiologically handle the smoke alarm going off, just like you would take insulin for diabetes. It's time to normalize the concept of mental health. Absolutely. You know, for a long time, you know, physical health wasn't really talked about. It wasn't part of our vernacular. We didn't talk about fitness. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk. People just ate fast food and did whatever (laughs) they wanted to and Mm -hmm. didn't think. And now we've come to realize the implications of that. I think one of the positives of the pandemic and, and some of the things we're seeing with mental health is that we can normalize this conversation. We can say this is a part of being fit. It's not a matter of you being crazy or of you needing some sort of a, you know, a help that's outside of what we all need at some point. And that is, we need, we need a community of people like mom, like other professionals that can help us get, get to a space where, and this is the goal of this podcast, Get to a space where I can practically and proactively love my job. Because first and foremost, we say this, Lindsay, all the time. You can finish this sentence. We (laughs) say it all the time. Loving your job is first and foremost your responsibility. You got a bad boss? Yeah, that stinks. You have a tough culture? Yeah, that stinks. It is still first and foremost your responsibility to love your job. And part of that is getting mental help so that you can create some some health and make decisions and have conversations based on the human part of your brain and not the alligator yes. part of your brain. Yes. Let's think about what we're thinking about. <laughs> I love, love that. That's the Yeah. Mom, thanks for being here. Um gosh, I say thanks for being here, but um I'll have dinner with you later. So. <laughs> thanks for having yeah. me here. It's oh, so much it's fun to work so with great. you too. I'm looking forward to the next <laughs> two one. Two of my favorite. <laughs> to be here. Two of my favorite people Aww. in the same room. I'm really thankful <laughs> for you guys. And uh, man, if you're listening Aww. today and you heard something that um, prompted you to get some help, we are going to make available in the show notes here um, all of the the resources that mom's talking about. I'm looking at the list right now. There's like more than you can shake a stick at, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) And there's a ton of stuff here. Lots of opportunities. Betterhelp.com is always a great place to start, Um, but do something proactively um, to begin to, to take care of your mental health. And guys, hang on, step up to this next podcast as well. We are going to continue to talk about how mental health affects our emotional intelligence, what it means to bridge the gap in this trust rule, this, this trust crisis that we've got right now, um, and how we can begin to proactively love our jobs in that, that context. Lindsay, great to talk you to too, you. You too, as always. I felt like we... We got some uh, soothsaying yes. today, some storytelling. Oh, for sure, mom, for so. sure. <laughs> mom, thanks so much. If you are if you want to learn more about what she's here. got going on, you can go out to ClaudiaMitchellLLC.com. She's got a book coming out pretty soon. 
um, lots of help and lots of things that she's doing right now. So proud of her um, and honored to be a part of your day. Thank you for listening to us and we will see you next time on Better Mondays. Thanks for joining us.